0: This is Vulnerability Matters from the Money Advice Trust. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Vulnerability Matters from the Money Advice Trust. I'm Chris Fitch. Whether you prefer non-speaking, or non-verbal, essential service organizations will come into contact with customers who may not always be able to speak or talk to staff, but who can, with assistance or support, still communicate their wishes and decisions. In today's podcast, we're therefore talking with Katie McKay and Jack Hatcher from the Nationwide Building Society, who have developed a new way for non-speaking customers to engage with the organization. Called Speak Easy, I caught up with Katie, a business support consultant, and Jack, a business analyst, to find out more about this approach, including how Katie's own experiences of being non-speaking in certain situations informed its development, and what Jack has found from the Speakeasy pilot in selected nationwide branches. Business analysts have, with team colleagues, developed and are piloting a new way for non speaking customers to engage with the building society. I caught up with them on a blustery Monday afternoon in November where I feared that my shed, sheddy McShed face, as no one calls it, might blow away. I asked Jack and Katie to give me a crash course in non speaking customers, to tell me more about where their idea for their speakeasy pilot came from, and to offer some practical tips for other essential service organisations. Hello, Jack and Katie. Uh, welcome to Vulnerability Matters. Um, let's start with the basics. What is a nonverbal or non-speaking customer?
1: So nonverbal communication is communicating without any words. A lot of people like to use the term non-speaking, as many do communicate words, but through movement, facial expression, gestures, sign language, etc. People also sometimes use the term non-oral non-vocal or minimally speaking, there is a whole spectrum of language around communication difficulties. No matter how someone wants to identify their communication need, everyone deserves a voice, no matter how they need it to be heard. Today, we're going to be talking about people who have difficulty communicating using their voice.
0: So Katie, there will be, people will use their own language in their own terms to identify themselves and we we should respect that um, but we'll, today we'll use non-speaking or non-verbal to talk about the issue. Yes. Super. So why might somebody be non, non-speaking then? What might be uh, underlying that?
1: So there are many reasons why someone may have trouble communicating. It could be due to what we call a life quake, such as a stroke, or it might be lifelong, like autism or cerebral palsy. There are lots of other reasons why someone might have a communication barrier, such as social anxiety, English as a second language, but someone may also have a communication barrier for no specific reason. Communication barriers can affect everyone. It is not limited to one age. It can be lifelong or it can be only for a short period of time.
0: So it can it can be uh it can be helpful to know what's causing it, but clearly we want to focus on the support need and meeting uh, that support need. So um, how many people in the UK are uh, non-speaking or non-verbal or have a communication barrier?
2: Yeah, so I think I'll jump in on this one, Chris. So it's definitely a kind of a more common occurrence, and I think it's perhaps immediately apparent. Um, The Royal College of Speech and Language Therapists, who are kind of, our, I guess, preeminent experts in this field, They indicate that one in five people within the UK will experience a communication difficulty at some point in their lives. Mm -hmm. Now, if we consider the kind of UK population as a whole, that's 14 million people. And as Katie kind of briefly alluded to, there's a big range of, there's a wide range of different reasons why someone may have a communication barrier. Um, You know, for example, in the UK, we have 9 million people who are either deaf or hard of hearing those people can struggle to communicate verbally. They may choose to communicate via different mediums, um, You know, for example, sign language, or for other, other different uh, approaches. Um, then you have different kind of conditions, such as aphasia. So the latest figures suggest that around 350,000 people in the UK have aphasia today, um, and that can cause um, issues with verbal communication in a lot of different instances. Um, and then also, with people who are autistic, um, the National Autistic Society indicates roughly about a third are either non-speaking or minimally speaking. And when we talk about minimally speaking, what we mean by that is it's an individual who speaks less than 30 words or so. So they're able to say words, but if they're in an unfamiliar context, such as you know, engaging around financial services or in a healthcare setting, um, you know, they may not have the full range of you know, language to be able to facilitate a conversation end to end.
0: So, Katie, you have some personal experience of being nonverbal in some situations. Can you tell us just a bit more about that?
1: So, I am autistic. Many people don't understand the barriers that we can face. In some cases, I can communicate really well. But in other public settings, I can struggle to communicate even simple things. There's a recent example that kind of really brings this to life. And that's when I tried to go to a new GP. I went to the desk and I tried to check in, but I was directed to a self-checking machine. The machine wasn't working, so I went back to the desk and I tried to explain, but the receptionist couldn't understand what I was trying to say, and she just kept sending me back and back to the machine. This made me feel anxious, like she just thought I was stupid, or that she just couldn't be bothered to try and take the time to understand me. She eventually listened after a man went and told her that it wasn't working. But by this point, I had been trying to communicate unsuccessfully and was getting more and more agitated. When I finally got into the GP, I couldn't communicate anything. I tried to say hello. And instead, I just sat there completely overwhelmed, crying. I couldn't pull any words together. For many, communication barriers are hidden. Imagine trying to communicate, but all the words come out jumbled, or nothing comes out at all. People talking over you because you're taking too long to explain, or they just guess what you want. This is more than just a poor customer experience. As you can imagine, it can set you back in your own personal development, can be deeply upsetting, and it can affect your mental health.
0: Katie, you, you were saying there about the, um that in some circumstances, in some situations, um, you can become non-speaking. So you're on the podcast today uh, and, and articulating very, very clearly um, some um, practical and quite complex challenges for organisations. But in that scenario, did you feel, is it a case of, you feel your inability to speak being constricted gradually or do the words just go is is it tied into the anxiety and the response do
1: you know it's it's quite a difficult thing to explain um for me a lot of my biggest triggers are environmental so you know i'm sat at home today on my laptop you know i'm in a comfortable environment i've got my woolly hat on you know i'm i'm comfy and i'm not having to mask i'm literally just me I don't have to look at you in the eye because you're on a screen and you can't tell if I'm giving you eye contact or not. Um, So, you know, in an environment like this, uh, I'm able to thrive. But then I go into either an unfamiliar setting or a setting which might be very loud, have lots of people, um, you know, have have other triggers that set me off and... It, it can become very overwhelming and a lot of people they don't understand how I can sit here today and talk to you but then the last time I tried to take a train individually I had an absolute meltdown and by the time I got to the office again I was just in a quiet room having a full meltdown for half an hour. Autism is it's a wonderful strange thing autism you know, I'm, I'm proud to be autistic, but I do have to approach things differently. And sometimes that means that I can't communicate fearfully. It might be that, you know, it's one of those days. And I know that no matter what happens that day, you know, my communication is going to be bad. Sometimes you just wake up like that. And it might be because the day before I'd had a very, very busy day. Or, you know, something, something had happened. Um, other times, you know, you can have a really good day and then something will set it off and suddenly, suddenly it's like you try to speak and you can't get the words out that you're actually trying to say, you know, preparing for this, I thought over and over and over and over again, what I was going to say. And for even everyday conversations, that's quite often what I do. I will have to sit, if I know I'm going to speak to someone, I kind of prepare for that conversation. And just doing that preparing itself, it's very draining mentally. I've been labelled a brat and spoiled most of my life because people didn't understand my autism. And I think, you know, that's part of what we're doing here today as well. We really want to challenge perceptions and you know normalize that you know it's it's okay to be who you are and to not have to mask that I can communicate how I need yeah and like as Jack said one in five people in the UK will experience this
0: absolutely and this is what uh, vulnerability matters is all about is uh not only bring it to light but letting everybody be who they are
1: and Jack we've
0: heard from Katie there about her personal experience of being non-verbal in some situations are there other ways in which being non-verbal can negatively impact someone
2: yeah definitely and I, I think unfortunately Katie's experiences is, is not uncommon so people that we've engaged with or, or read stories about they've, they've kind of expressed a few common themes so one of the kind of key themes is around a, a, a kind of loss of autonomy or a loss of independence there are a lot of scenarios when you have a a non-speaking individual um, kind of staff will will typically go direct to their partner or, or their support network and effectively they can be kind of excluded from the conversation um, and what that means is then they're they're not uh, you know they then lose autonomy over their own decision making um, and this in some cases can make uh, non-speaking people feel as though uh the perception of them is that they're less intelligent or less capable of making decisions um and it can also in turn kind of greatly um it can it can lead to a kind of worsening mental health um as well as kind of just a more generalized anxiety around kind of going into places so one quote that we found uh which i think really brought to life the things that i've just been raising um a non-speaking individual raised that being non-speaking, many people assumed I was non-thinking and non-feeling. They spoke in front of me like I wasn't right there. I was infantilized, situationally excluded and undervalued.
0: Um, but you two are not two people who just talk uh, about this issue and raise awareness. You've actually been doing something concrete about it. And that's the, the speak easy pilot. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that?
1: Yes, yeah, so at Nationwide, we have now launched our pilot of our Speak Easy cards in our Manchester branches. So the tool itself, um, it's a physical tool that's made up of 32 different phrase cards, as suggested by our branch colleagues. The cards are designed to initiate conversation in branch and continue a non-speaking conversation using our yes-no cards, as well as closed questions. The cards each have a different use case on them. So for example, we've got, can you help me use the cash machine? My card has been lost slash stolen. I would like to withdraw and then there's different amounts. The cards are very much designed to just be picked up and used immediately. They're, They're very, very simple to use and that's part of the design that we've gone with. For some customers, the cards help them just start a conversation and they may feel able to communicate verbally. For example, one of the cards that we have is, can we talk somewhere quieter? So it might be someone would like to present that card, they go sit somewhere quiet, and then they feel confident enough to just, you know, talk how they need to verbally. For others, they may wish to communicate the entire conversation using the cards. So we've um, given training to our staff about how to use closed questions to still elicit all the information that they need to carry out whatever action that the customer is requesting. The cards are all laminated and ring bound for sturdiness and ease of use. Each card has a very simple image just to help people understand what the written phrase is. So this may help someone who's got a learning difficulty. Um, English is a second language even, we've seen a lot of updates with that demographic, um, aphasia, um, Alzheimer's, dementia. There's loads of different people who, you know, by having that image as well, we're supporting an additional access need.
0: So these cards are they're in the branch then they're in the uh, the yeah. branch outlet. And how would the customer, if I'm non-speaking, Katie or Jack, how would the customer know um, that they're there? How would they uh, how would they uh, request to use them?
1: Yes. So the cards are placed in common areas within the branch. So you might see them at the iPad tables, at the counter where you can do transactions or in the queue. There's like little stands in the queues, welcome stands. They're placed um, all over the branch. But if you can't find one as well and you're in one of our pilot branches, there is a poster that's up on the wall. If you point to that poster, you don't have to say anything. Just, you know, point, indicate. Um, whatever it is look at it you know get someone's attention someone will bring the tool over to you um,
0: what's what's the feedback been like on the uh on the on the pilot yeah so i could
2: jump in here i think feedback from customers has been yeah been really overwhelmingly positive actually um it it's had some really good uptake um so in some branches we've seen it being used up to 10 times per day um so Really significant amount of usage, actually, um, and I think a lot of customers who who have, we've engaged with have said that they like the fact that it's it's very simple, it's very easy to pick up and easy to use. Um, it, it really is something you can just walk straight off the high street. You could see it waiting for you in the locations that Katie mentioned, and you could take it up to to a frontline colleague and you know get going straight away. Which I think is one of the things that makes it work really well. Um, and yeah, I think. People have really liked the fact that not only that we're, we're implementing the tool, but I think actually the thing that's gone down better is the fact that Nationwide as an organization is taking steps to support their needs. The fact that actually they know that when they come into a Nationwide branch, they will ha- they will have the tool, but they'll also be met by a frontline colleague who knows how to support them. And someone who's not going to give them the same kind of experience that Katie had that could be so damaging. You know, they they know that they will have someone who will actively listen to their needs or support them via another, another channel if needed.
0: Fantastic. And what, what could our listeners do to promote inclusive communication in their organisation?
2: Yeah, so it's a really good question, Chris. I think I would say, you know, the first step would be really going back to basics. So looking at your kind of different customer journeys and a different kind of interaction touch points and, and apply a a persona of someone who is, who is non-speaking to consider, would that member still receive the same quality service from your organization? And, Are your frontline staff, are your colleagues, uh, are they sufficiently trained to support that individual if they came into a branch or a a shop, et cetera, um, and they didn't have a support network around them? They came in independently. Alongside kind of doing that initial analysis, I'd recommend engaging with customers. It's something that we did. We went out to customers. We asked them what they thought via a survey, and it was really invaluable in finding out how they find your experience and some of the kind of biggest pain points and in some circumstances what you'll find is individuals who are non-speaking because of the kind of anxiety associated with initiating that conversation they're less likely to go in so actually a medium such as a survey is a really great way to get out to those individuals and then kind of lastly i would recommend where possible pulling together a focus group, pulling together individuals who are either non-speaking themselves or allies of to start considering ideas to address the gaps you've identified kind of as part of your analysis or through speaking to customers.
0: Perfect, perfect, right, last question. Can can each of you recommend one useful resource for people to find out a bit more about non-speaking or non-verbal communication? Yeah,
2: so as someone who's not non-speaking myself, the thing that I wanted to really kind of the first thing I wanted to do was really kind of understand their lived experience as much as I possibly could do. Um and I found a really insightful website called NeuroClastic. Um and that is has a real wide range of information around non-speaking. Um, and the kind of lived experience of people who are non-speaking and there's actually a an archive on there uh, where a wide range of non-speaking budding authors um, have provided you know their kind of lived experience and also given some real interesting and thorough insights of kind of the challenges that they encounter and also kind of steps that they look to implement to to help them overcome some of the barriers that they
0: face so it's a great great website um katie
1: Um, Yeah, so I think I would, again, definitely recommend the Communication Access UK website. Um, But if you are interested in in giving something a watch, I would definitely recommend the Inside Our Autistic Minds documentary on BBC. You can watch it on um, BBC iPlayer, and it really brings to life why we're doing what we're doing.
0: Thank you both. That was absolutely fantastic. And that was Jack Hatcher and Katie McKay, the Mulder and Scully of vulnerability, as I like to think of them, telling us about their work on the Speakeasy initiative. Now, if you're keen to find out more, you can, of course, find Katie and Jack on LinkedIn. However, they've also given Vulnerability Matters listeners the exclusive key to their inboxes and access to the Speakeasy cards themselves. So if you want to see the cards firsthand when they're finalized, you can contact the team at speakeasy at nationwide .co.uk that's nearly it for today so do get in contact with me on linkedin if you have a comment on today's podcast and if you do send me a comment you have a chance becoming just the third person in the entire world to hold a vulnerability matters mug in your lucky lucky hands okay that's it for today so until next time wherever you are whatever you're doing keep on doing it and thanks for remembering that vulnerability matters Vulnerability Matters was produced by Amanda McGreevy and Phil King and brought to you by the Money Advice Trust.